My name is Gage. And my name is Ray. And you are listening to Gore Report, a true crime podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I always am so awkward. Yay. I don't know how to unawkward myself. Is there an unawkward button? If there is, we're incapable of finding it. I'll bet you it's on the inner ear. Maybe that's why we feel so good when we use Q-tips. It's somewhere on the cochlea. (laughs) Somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere. But hello, hello, everybody. We're glad you're here. We hope you're having a good day and a good week. And And a a good good life. life. I feel like we get more extra with that every time. And honestly, (laughs) I'm fucking here for it. I love it. I am here for all of the dumbassery. If this is your first time tuning in with me and Ray, then... Welcome, 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 welcome. If you like what you hear from us, maybe feel free, if you feel like it, to take a few seconds to leave us a good rating or a good review. It's a small gesture that supports the show in a big way, and we would greatly appreciate that. Yeah. So, and we like you, and we love you. <laughs> and we're always going to love you, as long as you consent to it. Because consent is important. And if you're tired of hearing us say that, well, that's, I don't care. that's I don't too care. bad. I don't care. I don't care. That's too bad. <laughs> it is too bad. So I don't want to waste any time today because the case that I have prepared for you all, it's definitely a little different. <laughs> um, it's definitely a little different. I learned about this case maybe a week ago, maybe closer to two weeks. This is very recent for me. This case is absolutely chilling. Oh. Like, I mean chilling. Um, After Ooh. learning about it, I can say that I was shocked that I hadn't heard of it before, especially considering that this story takes place in 1991. Ooh. So, yeah, it's not a recent case, but, you know, nonetheless, I read something about it while I was scrolling through the interwebs, and it took me. Oh, no. Like, it took me. It's truly one of the most chilling things I've ever learned about in my life. It really is. Oh, my God. I'm so down. <laughs> so <laughs> today we're going to be talking about a man named Christopher Case. His death in April of 1991 happened under extremely bizarre and unexplainable circumstances. And the story grabbed national attention when it came out that Christopher's death was allegedly caused by a curse that was placed on him by a witch just days prior to his body being found. Oh. Yeah, this shit is insane. Oh, spooky has entered the chat. There is some definite spook with this one. So to give you guys a small glimpse into what this story is going to be like, I want to start off by reading this small section of a news article that was published by the Seattle Times in May of 1991, barely a month after Christopher was found. This article is titled, quote, Heart Failure Killed Man Who Feared Curse, end quote. And this snippet reads, quote, The death of Christopher Case had drawn wide interest because he had told friends he feared he was under a witch's curse. The cause of death was acute myocarditis, said Rich Garner, a medical investigator with the King County Medical Examiner's Office. 
Officers found Case's clothed body April 18th in the waterless tub of his apartment in the 1300 block of North 152nd Avenue in North King County after they were asked to check on him by a woman friend in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, I used to live there. You did, actually. Yeah, oh, my goodness. I used to live there. You, oh, my you straight God. up did. The woman, whose name was not disclosed, said Case told her in phone calls that he was afraid a witch in San Francisco had put a curse on him. The Fayetteville woman said Case told her the witch had cast a spell on him because he would not return her affections, according to King County Police. There was no sign of a crime, no sign of violence, robbery, or foul play. So, before we officially dive into things, I do want to give some small opening notes regarding this case. Uh, The first one being that This case was really weird to navigate research-wise. I bet. When it comes to Christopher and his early life and his childhood, the information is simply not there. I also encountered a lot of small conflicting details amongst different sources. Okay. So if you're listening to this episode and you're already familiar with the story and you hear some discrepancies between what you've heard and what I'm telling, then that's probably why. Uh, Of course, I'll link all of my sources in the show notes, but I did just want to make that point that researching this had me all over the place. So I did my absolute best with the information that I had available to me. Right. But I mean, like... There's not really court documents on a witch's curse, so I bet it would be hard to follow. <laughs> just just a little bit, but I mean, it's something. So I've done the best that I could. I've compiled what I've could. I've organized the timeline the best that I could. So, you know, just wanted to give that small opening yeah. note. So continuing on, Christopher Case was born on August 8th, 1955, and he grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Christopher was described by his friends and his family as being highly intelligent, sophisticated, ambitious, very friendly, and just well-rounded. Nice. Chris was also very inquisitive. He was the type of person who loved to learn new things. And as he grew into his adulthood, he developed an appreciation and hobby for multiple, multiple things. But at the top of that list was Christopher's passion for music and physical fitness. Chris loved music. He loved studying music. He loved producing music. And to be really specific, he loved ancient music. Like that was really his thing. Music from, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, just ancient music. (laughs) That was really his thing. He was deeply fascinated by it. I would imagine so. Like it's making (laughs) me stutter how much my brain is like full stop on the ancient music thing because that's freaking awesome. Right, right. It's a very obscure hobby, but this was Chris's thing. He was fascinated by it. He constantly surrounded himself with the ancient music. And then, you know, his drive for physical fitness. Um, A lot of sources say that Chris was like, I guess you could say a gym rat, like super obsessed with working out and taking vitamins and all that other shit. Um, but right. But ultimately we, we don't really know the extent of how much he loved working out. You know, I'm not sure if it was on the same level as his passion for music. Like I really don't know, but when you research this story, you'll see time and time again, that his love for music and fitness are at the forefront of his defining hobbies. Right. So in the year 1991, Christopher was 35 years old and he was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is where I'm going to bring up something briefly, uh, going back to what I said earlier with the research discrepancies. While putting my timeline together, 
there were some conflicting details through different sources. As I said, I found some sources that said Chris was living in Richmond, West Virginia at this time. Mm -hmm. Some sources said Raleigh. Again, the info was just all over the place. So as I was putting this together, I saw more sources that said Christopher was living in Raleigh in 1991. So that's what I went with for my timeline. Best to you know, educated guests there. Right. I just want to make it clear that some of this information, you know, you may have discrepancies, but that's what I found. That's what I felt the need to put. That just seemed to be the most accurate to me in terms of how it was lining up with the rest of the information. So, you know, um, another thing that kind of makes it hard to establish a concrete timeline of things is the fact that Chris also traveled quite a lot for work, which we'll get into that here in a second. But it's just another one of those things, you know, he traveled All over the place. (laughs) Um, I'm jelly. So in Chris's early 30s, he was a small town radio personality in North Carolina. Of course, you know, Chris was still producing music and studying ancient musical composition, all of that good stuff. But he was a radio host. And I think it would be safe to say that he was somewhat of a local celebrity. Everyone in the area knew Chris because they were so used to listening to him on, you know, their way to work or while or while running errands during the day. Excuse me. You know, everyone was familiar with Chris. His radio broadcast was pretty successful. But even though Christopher had established some sort of success and a name for himself in North Carolina, he still wasn't quite satisfied. He had drive. He had talent. And Christopher knew he wanted to do more with his life. He was searching for an opportunity. Oh. And that opportunity came to Christopher in the form of a job offer from a music production company based out of Seattle called Muzak Holdings Company. And I thought this was pretty interesting because I had never heard of Muzak Holdings before. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Muzak is a company that's responsible for the world's waiting room and elevator music. Oh, no. (laughs) Now I know who to release my rage on. (laughs) I'm so sick of it. It's crazy. Like all of the soft music you hear while you're on hold or while in the waiting room or any of that stuff, Muzak Holdings makes that music. (laughs) Please tell me they made that absolute banger that was like... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, probably, probably. Do, we we don't do, know. I just, do. I I thought it was really interesting because I didn't know that there was a whole ass company that's just mass producing elevator music. Well, yeah, babe. Where do you think it comes from? I don't know. I, I never <laughs> thought about it. It was just one. It might be common knowledge, but it was just one of those things, you know? Oh, no. So back to the story, Muzak Holdings had offered Christopher a job as a musical executive, and he accepted the job immediately. So when Chris accepted this job, he ended up moving out to Seattle so he could work for Muzak. Right. And this job was a huge opportunity for Christopher. And thanks to this job, it gave Christopher the chance to travel and see lots of new places and meet lots of new people. As I briefly mentioned earlier, this job required Christopher to travel all over the United States. So Christopher's quality of life greatly changed thanks to this job opportunity. But he made it a point to never forget his roots back home in North Carolina. He adamantly stayed in touch with his family and all of his close friends back home. He maintained those relationships 100%. So he's out there doing his thing. He moved halfway across the country. It's 1991, and he's still very much, you know, staying in touch with all of his friends, all of his family. Everyone is still very much in touch with Christopher. So it would be on April 11th, 1991, that Christopher left from Seattle to head to San Francisco to attend a work event being held by Muzak Holdings. 
Okay. Christopher was going to go to San Francisco. He was going to meet up with a group of other music executives from Muzak. It was going to be this whole thing. It was just one of his work trips. Okay. And it is very, very chilling because this business trip marks the beginning of the end for Christopher. Oh, no. And this is where the story is going to gradually start turning into something uh, a little scary. Oh, no. A little scary. So... When Christopher arrived in San Francisco, he was somehow introduced to a woman. Okay. And sources differ when it comes to how Christopher met this woman. Some sources say that they met during dinner. Some sources say that they met at a bar. It varies. But what we do know is that Christopher met this woman. She's described as having long, dark hair and being maybe 15 to 20 years older than Christopher. Okay. Um, this woman has also never been named. So this is all we have of her. Oh. So when the two meet, this older woman tells Christopher that she, too, had an intense passion for ancient music. Okay. Particularly music from ancient Egyptian and Mediterranean civilizations. So this sparked the two of them to have some in-depth conversation. They were just chatting the night away. These two people sharing some cool, obscure hobby. They're passionately talking to each other about it and nerding out. You know, that's just how the vibe's going. The two right. of them hit it off. I'm getting bad vibes. I guess we shall nickname her Samara. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared right now. It's about to be scary, I promise. So it became very clear to Christopher that this woman was romantically interested in him. Hardcore. Oh, okay. She asked Christopher more than once during their interaction if he would like to take her home. Like she was she was making the moves, you know? And Christopher politely declined her advances. And for, as for the reason why he declined... I mean, we could speculate that all day long. <laughs> there are some sources that state that Christopher was just very reserved, especially in the realm of dating. Mm -hmm. It was also said that Christopher had a loner-type personality. I mean, ultimately, we don't know Christopher, so it's hard to say. He also could have just been a guy that wasn't a fan of one-night stands. I mean, I you know, we just don't know. Um, a lot of Christopher's co-workers at Muzak Holdings described him as being very cut and dry, reliable, and, quote, not the party type. So, I mean, the possibilities are endless. <gasps> oh, no. Wait. So he looked at her. She's trying to get him to take her home. And he's like, mm you're done <laughs> pretty much like he's he's being polite it's a polite decline but he's, he's not he's not feeling it he's definitely not feeling it whatever reason we want to put behind it he declined the advances so My brain went you know respectfully again christopher told this woman that he just wasn't looking for that type of relationship and he suggested that they call it a night and go their separate ways and this is where the story starts to escalate into something uh, fucking horrifying, like okay. truly horrifying. Okay. It, it baffles my brain. All of this baffles my brain. Uh, she's about to be giving the Conjuring franchise in real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vibe of this story. And uh, it's fucking spooky. So, Ed! Ed! <laughs> so after Christopher turns this woman down, her whole vibe changes. She went from being this super charming, super sweet woman to, like, all of a sudden she was visibly enraged with Christopher. Oh. And this is when this woman tells Christopher that she was a witch. And then she tells him that he's going to be dead within a week because she's going to curse him for rejecting her. Someone has issues and can't handle rejection. I mean, it's a little insulting. 
Yeah. It's, it's a little it's a it's, little Like I don't know y'all, but I think that's a wee bit of a fucking extreme reaction. That's a bit fucking extreme, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this woman told Christopher all of this, and he didn't really know how to react to any of it. Christopher was not a religious person, and according to some of his friends, he didn't believe in magic or the supernatural or the paranormal. Like, he didn't believe in any of that stuff at all. Right. So Christopher just kind of shrugged this off, and he ended up going back to his hotel room. The work event he was attending was only to last for that night, the night of April 11th, and then the next day on the 12th, he was to go back home to Seattle. Okay. And that's what he did. And when he returned home the next day, Christopher actually called one of his good friends in North Carolina, a woman named Sammy Soder. And he told her this crazy fucking story of this woman he met who claimed to be a witch. So Christopher relays the whole story to Sammy, including the part where this woman told him that he'd be dead within a week due to her curse. Whoa. Now. Like I said, Samara. <laughs> Seven days. It's crazy. I'm telling you, it's fucking crazy. So something to know about Christopher's friend, uh, Sammy, is that she was a school teacher and allegedly a gifted psychic. Okay. And when Christopher told her all of this, she tried to ease him up by telling him he had nothing to worry about. You know, she was saying, you know, Chris, like real witches don't do shit like that. Like they don't do that type of thing. You know, she was just trying to like calm him down because he was kind of like weirded out by it, you know. So the two talked a bit longer than they got off the phone, and for the next two days, things seemed kind of normal for Christopher. But it would be on April 14th, two days after he got home, that Christopher called Sammy again, and this time he was in a complete panic. Oh, no. So when Sammy asked him what was wrong, he told her that he had been up all night long being tormented by whispering voices and moving shadows in his apartment. Oh, shit. Christopher told Sammy that he couldn't find the source of where the loud whispering was coming from, but that it had him extremely afraid. So Christopher told Sammy that he was also seeing shadowy apparitions walk in and out of his room and through his hallway all through the night. And he said that he felt like something was in his room with him watching him. He was scared. Oh, God. And over the next four days that followed... Christopher's torment inflicted by unseen forces would only intensify. Chris would make more panicked phone calls to Sammy throughout that week. Oh my God. On April 16th, Sammy received a phone call from Christopher. And on this particular call, Sammy noted that he was extremely scared. The most scared she had ever encountered him being. Christopher had told her that the night before he had been violently attacked by an unseen entity. He said that this entity repeatedly choked him while lifting him up off of his mattress by his throat. Christopher said that when he was released from this entity's grip, that he fell back on his mattress and he noticed cuts all over the tips of all of his fingers. He also noticed bloodstains on his bed. So Christopher said on this call that he was being continually tormented by whispering voices and the walking shadow figures as well. This experience had absolutely scared the shit out of Christopher. Uh, and he yeah. told yeah, he told Sammy that night that he couldn't even stay at his apartment, that he was gonna go try and stay in a hotel. Whoa. The following morning, on April 17th, he visited a religious bookstore in Seattle called Evangel Incorporated. Christopher had decided at this point that he was going to take protective measures against whatever dark forces were stalking him. 
Right. The owner of this bookstore at the time, a man named Rodney, recalled at a later date that he remembered seeing Christopher in his store that day on April 17th, and he seemed panicked, and he was buying several crucifixes. Rodney remembered asking Christopher why he needed so many crucifixes, and he replied by telling him that he needed to defend himself against unseen dark forces that were attacking him in his sleep. He told Rodney that he was afraid that he had been cursed. Oh, man. So Rodney tried to help Christopher the best way he could. He recommended a few books on the subject of combating malicious witchcraft. And Rodney also sold Chris several white candles and, you know, the several crucifixes as well. So when Christopher left that day, he had a whole bag of these supplies. He went and bought these books, these candles. He bought a bag of crucifixes. He's scared. So Christopher left the Evangel bookstore and made his way home. And when he got back to his apartment, he started trying desperately to ward off the evil that was tormenting him. Christopher hung crucifixes in several places all throughout his apartment. He placed several white candles in each room of his apartment as well. He started pouring salt across all the doorways and windows as well. And he was also leaving tiny piles of salt in the corners of all of his rooms. Wow. Which, for those of you that don't know... Uh, salt is an extremely powerful protection agent in magic. It said that if you use salt to draw barriers across your windows and doorways, that no spirit or entity that means you harm can cross over it. Right. And that's actually a thing in witchcraft, too, because if you're new to the show, then you probably haven't heard me and Ray talk about it because we don't talk about it a whole lot. But we are both pagan. More specifically, me. I study witchcraft. I've studied a lot of Wicca Different, you know, Gardnerian witchcraft, Alexandrian witchcraft. I've studied a couple of paths. It's, you know, kind of my thing. But salt is a big thing in witchcraft, not only for protection, but when you get into circle casting, you know, you have mm -hmm. a lot of witches that will cast their circles with salt. Right. It's just a very strong protection agent. So I just, you know, for those of you that are like, why is he pouring salt everywhere? That's why. Yeah, not every witch uses a athame, which is a blade or a wand in right. order to cast the circle. Right. Some just use salt because it's of the earth. Right, exactly. I've even known some witches to use dirt. Right, I mean... Because you're using the earth that, as that, yeah, a barrier. That, so. that same concept of it being from the earth, therefore giving you that natural power. Right. So going back to the story, it's absolutely chilling in retrospect. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Christopher was not religious. He did not believe in anything pertaining to the supernatural or paranormal before this happened to him. So in six days' time, he goes from being this extremely ambitious, confident, seemingly atheist, I guess you could say, music mm -hmm. executive, to frantically calling his friends and visiting religious bookstores because he's absolutely terrified of evil spirits that are torturing him. It is, poor, poor it is absolutely chilling to me, and I think it adds a layer to this story. You know, like him being a skeptic and then, you know, you compare it to his behavior and it's like, oh, my God. Right. And not only was Christopher putting salt everywhere in his apartment and lighting these white candles, hanging up the crucifixes, but he was also playing Christian music on different speakers throughout his apartment as well. Like he was as fucking. Yes, yeah. he was scared and it shows how scared he was. It paints a very sinister picture. And over the next 24 hours that followed from this point. Christopher called not only Sammy, but he called several of his other friends from North Carolina as well, telling them all the same thing, that he hadn't slept in days due to him being tortured by unseen forces. Christopher told all of his friends that he was being stalked by shadow figures in his own apartment and that he was still being strangled and choked in the dead of night by an entity 
that was so strong it could lift him off of his mattress. God. Christopher also kept saying that he couldn't shake the feeling of being watched in his own home. He was still being plagued by several whispering voices as well, whispering voices that only he could hear, and that seemed to come from nowhere. The last thing that anyone heard from him was that he was going to try and stay in a hotel again to get out of his house for the night. Then no one heard from Christopher at all after that. Not Sammy, not anyone. Christopher went silent. Wow. The last thing that was heard from him was a voicemail that he left Sammy on April 17th at some point. It's unclear exactly when, but he called and left a voicemail. And in this voicemail, Sammy said that Chris seemed eerily calm, almost like he had accepted his fate. And in this voicemail, Christopher told Sammy that he was terrified and that he wasn't looking forward to the next night because due to the spirits trying to take his life the night before and getting closer every night, he told Sammy that he believed this night was going to be his last night on earth because the entities that have been tormenting him were going to take his life. God, man. Uh, so yeah, it. I just got fucking chicken legs. <laughs> I absolutely got chicken legs. And we find out too that also on the day of April 17th, the same day that Christopher left this voicemail, he had actually gone to see a priest, and he returned to that bookshop that we mentioned earlier in the story, the Evangel Incorporated shop. Mm -hmm. And during this visit, the shop owner, Rodney, saw Christopher again. Rodney remembered that on this day, Christopher seemed extremely tired, exhausted, and desperate. Christopher had asked Rodney that day for more advice on how he could combat what was happening to him. Right. He told Rodney that his situation had not improved since his last visit. So after some chit-chat and grabbing some more supplies, Christopher headed home. So Man. there's at this point, there's a little bit of, I, well, a little bit. There's no clarity in terms of timeline of what exactly took place when Christopher got home on mm -hmm. April 17th. All we have is the story picking up the next day because no one knows what happened. Okay. So when the next day rolled around April 18th, 1991, Sammy had obviously listened to that voicemail from Christopher, and she saw that she hadn't heard anything from him after that. So this scared her, and Sammy contacted the local police department in Seattle, and she requested that they do a welfare check on Christopher. Right. And when the authorities arrived at Christopher's apartment, they made a series of extremely unnerving discoveries. Chris's apartment was covered in crucifixes and burned down white candles. Salt was poured across all of his doorways and windows with small piles of salt remaining in the corners of each room. Books pertaining to the subject of black magic and defending against witchcraft were also found all through the apartment, and religious music could be heard eerily echoing through the apartment at a low volume from his speakers. Wow. He was still playing the music on his speakers when they went to do a welfare check. Police also found several notes through the apartment that were written by Christopher, notes that detailed how to perform various protection rites and how to combat evil spirits and malicious entities. When officers made their way to the bathroom, this is where they would find Christopher. He was found dead in his bathtub, fully clothed in the kneeling position with his hands in the prayer position. Uh. His head was resting against the faucet, you know, it kind of appeared as if he had been praying in his final moments. The bathtub was surrounded by a ring of salt, and several white candles had burned down completely with wax dripping down the sides of the tub. Oh, my God. There were no signs of a struggle, no signs of forced entry, no signs of anything that could explain this crime scene. 
Christopher had died exactly seven days after this woman told him that he would die within the week. April 11th is when the business trip in San Francisco happened. Right. April 18th, he's found dead. Yeah. Um, doesn't fuck that, that. Doesn't that just chill you to your fucking bone? Well, of course it does, because you remember I told you about my, my own personal experience. Right. And um, things that I went through. And I will one day tell you guys, I will one day tell you, but for right now, all I'm going to say is I've had my own ghost experience. People can either believe me or they or not. That's okay. Right, right. I respect it, but I know what happened to me. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, no, I've had, I've, I know what happened to me. I've had, I completely agree with you. I've, I've had my own experiences as well. I mean, different experiences, but I have encountered things that I can't explain. But I, I genuinely can't explain. So, yeah. I mean, I'm 100% with you. Right. So, this is like, I don't like it. Also, Samara showed up and she was like seven days. And she <laughs> fucking dipped. It's fucking chilling. Ooh. Also, this is random, you guys. If you uh, if you can hear a rooster in the background, uh, this would be a good time to tell you guys that I have a rooster and chickens in my yard at all times. And they're going ham right now. Did you? I just heard him. I just heard him. I just heard him. So, um, this is the Gore Report mascot. I haven't named him, but he's a really pretty rooster, and I'm kind of scared of him. I've been talking about for weeks about dressing in all black and coming in the night and snatching up the chickens and taking them home <laughs> because eggs cost too much. I would gladly love them and take care of them. <laughs> well, Goodness. We definitely had a visitor. If you hear the rooster, I am so sorry because I am not about to go fuck with him. So <laughs> <laughs> Be like, um, we're trying to record. Can you keep it the fuck down? Yeah, can you like stop roostering for a second? That would be cool. <laughs> but going back to the story, Christopher was found in such a chilling fucking manner. Like, there's absolutely yeah. no explanation to it. I mean, there's theories, and we're going to get into that. But Ooh. he was cursed by this woman. This woman tells him, you're going to die within a week. He goes from being, again, seemingly atheist. I don't mean to put a, a label on him. He just, that's the best thing that I know to say. But he, he didn't really believe in anything religious or spiritual. He didn't have anything pertaining to the supernatural that he believed in. He was a very, he was very much a skeptic. So he goes through this and then you have a week of him being tormented to the point to where he's going out in public. He's going to bookstores. He's begging his friends to help him. He's telling his friends that he's terrified. Yeah. I mean, this is fucking chilling. And then he's found dead kneeling in a tub surrounded by salt and candles. Right. What the fuck? So continuing on after that, I want to read you a snippet from a Seattle Times newspaper that was published on April 22nd, 1991, just four days after Christopher's body was discovered. Oh, man. This article is titled, quote, Occult Clues Baffle Police Probing Weird Death Scene, Victim Reportedly Terrified by Spurned Woman's Curse, end quote. And this article reads, quote, it will be two or three weeks before King County police can unravel the mysterious death of a North King County man whose body was found surrounded by occult symbols. Prompted by information from a Fayetteville, North Carolina woman who told police the man felt his life was in jeopardy after a woman put a curse on him. King County police found the body of Christopher Case, 35, in an empty bathtub in his apartment in the 1300 block of North 152nd Street shortly after 4 p.m. Thursday. There was no evidence of foul play, 
but the presence of several crucifixes and piles of kosher salt throughout the apartment have baffled investigators. King County Police Major Jackson Beard said the salt and other objects found at the scene, quote, have some significance and self-protection against demons or evil forces, end quote. A book called Strange Customs explains that salt is a devil repellent. Police found lines of salt poured along the base of the walls throughout the apartment with piles at the corners. The same thing was done on the porch where the salt was poured in geometric designs, end quote. So going back to the investigation at hand, after Christopher's body was discovered, an autopsy was performed and it revealed that his cause of death was myocarditis. And for those of you that don't know what that is, Myocarditis is an extremely rare inflammatory heart condition that ultimately leads to heart failure. Myocarditis is not something that's hereditary, and even though it's rare, estimating that roughly one in every almost 100,000 people suffer with it, it's still a condition that can affect anyone in any age group at any time. So it's scary, but this was the verdict for Christopher's death. They said officially that he had died from natural causes, which I think is fucking wild, but they said he died from natural causes, so a case was never opened. Nothing was ever investigated further. Again, detectives found no signs of any foul play, no signs of forced entry, no signs of a struggle, just nothing. He was found dead clothed in his fucking tub. That's insane. So even with Christopher's friends telling police the things that went on during the last week of his life about him being scared to death from the torment he was experiencing at the hands of a curse, just, you know, all of that stuff. Right. That compounded with the literal crime scene never warranted an investigation. As I said way earlier, too, you know, talking about the woman that supposedly cursed Christopher, she was never named. Christopher took her name with him to his grave. Wow. He never told anyone what her name was. So again, no criminal investigation was carried out. The police are not going to pursue witch's curse as a valid cause of death. Right. So nothing was ever done. Christopher, again, was listed as dying of natural causes, heart failure to be more specific. Right. And then he was laid to rest at the Dale Memorial Park located in Chesterfield County, West Virginia. I'm going to pause you right there for a second because this memory just came up to me. Um, I remember... When I was learning about witchcraft and energy manipulation, mm -hmm. because witchcraft is transformation and transformation is magic, right? Right, right. So there is something having to do with a buildup of negative energy that can actually affect your heart. No so, shit, really, yes. really. So when you're meditating, if you're looking at your chakras, starting from your root chakra when you're sitting and then working your way up. You have a heart chakra. Right, right. And it's believed the reason why we get emotional and we cry is because we're expelling the negative energy out of our body. Which it is a release. So, I mean, it's definitely That's why you always feel good after you cry, right? Right, well, right. Well, you don't always feel good, but you do feel better. You feel relieved. Yeah. So... It's believed that when you're working or when you have someone who has, one, either sent negative energy your way or you have done something to karmically bring that negative energy towards you. Right. Then it has a way of actually affecting because that energy is affecting your energy field well because everybody yeah. has their own energy field. and energy is a force right energy so, is a literal force so when you have 
a force that is completely overtaken with nothing but negative energy, it begins to do what? It begins to not only grow, but it begins to, you can set up hella inflammation. Your heart will be affected. You'll have shooting electric feelings down your limbs. Right, right, right. So that's why they were always like, you know, if you really need to ground, if you have such a buildup of negative energy, rub salt between your hands or go on all fours in the grass. So right, I mean, I the, just thought it was an interesting correlation. Well, well, no, that is very interesting, and it and it what you're saying it goes on that science that all of us, you know, skeptic or not, uh, it goes on that notion. Uh, stress is the biggest killer. Stress can kill you. It can. You know what I'm? It's that it's that same science to me. You know what I'm saying? So, it literally I mean, can. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Because when you're stressed, it raises your blood pressure. It it makes your heart work harder. Right. Right. You know. And then right. if you already have any type of immune disease or you know something to where your body is not working at full capacity, that is so dangerous. I mean, it's it's crazy shit. So after Christopher was laid to rest, I've said it like a hundred times, but nothing was ever followed up. So this is kind of the end of the information that I have regarding what happened to Christopher, and it's absolutely chilling. But here at the end, all we're left with now is some of the theories surrounding Christopher's death. You know, clearly this is a story that pushes the boundary of what we believe and don't believe to be real. There are people that are very divided when it comes to this story. We have skeptics who truly believe that he did die from myocarditis, completely disregarding the account of any hex or curse. And, you know, these people say that Christopher Case quite literally scared himself to death. I mean, that can happen. You know, and then we have another side of this where people genuinely believe that he was cursed by a witch. You know, like, and I want to say something real quick to... I don't want this episode to come across as, like, witch slander. Um, obviously, you know, we, we've we just had this whole conversation about how we're pagan and how I study witchcraft. And right. you, you have a background in studying witchcraft. And we can have a conversation about it. I guess this is a good time. But, you know, you have some witches that are against hexing and cursing. You yes. know, you have some witches that practice that really follow that uh, rule of three. The law of three, you know, everything you do will come back to you. And then, you know, in Wicca, you have the Wiccan read, which is basically do what you want as long as you're not, you know, harming anyone or yourself. Right. So you have one side of witchcraft where you have these people that are very adamant that you should not be cursing, that, you know, you shouldn't be hexing. You you it takes too much horrible, horribly negative energy to do that. But then you have another side of practitioners Mm -hmm. that are like you know, do no harm, take no shit type deal. And it's like, you know, you have some witches that are adamant that, yes, you should curse if you want to. You have every right to work baneful magic if that's what you want to do. So you have two sides of this. Like, personally, when it comes to me, I'm kind of very neutral about it because I also, I, I do believe that you should not be working baneful magic. I believe that's not good for you. And I believe that it does take an amount of anger and and rage and just a lot of negative emotions that I personally don't want to be working with and channeling. Right. But I also believe at the same time that we have a right to work what we want to work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're living your life and you've been, you know, you've I, been wronged well, in some well, way. yeah, let's be hypothetical. Like you feel a need and you truly believe from your perspective 
that you are justified in cursing someone and you have weighed the options and you you feel like you're entitled to do it. I can't take that from you. Right. Like, I'm not going to sit here and shit on you for, you know, feeling like you should do that. So, like, I'm very neutral. But when it comes when it comes to the theories of Christopher's death. There's like a division there, especially amongst the witches that look at this case. Right. You know, you have skeptics and then you have the witches. And then in the realm of witches, that that group is also divided, you know, and I do believe in magic and I truly believe in the existence of things and forces that are beyond our understanding. So to me, I do believe that he was afflicted with some sort of curse or baneful magic. I mm-hmm. mean, the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, Good God, look at how he was found. Look at what he experienced in the week leading up to his death. I personally believe in that type of thing. But, 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 I also try to have my healthy dose of skepticism, and I still try to approach things logically, and I try to look at all perspectives, you know. So let's look at the non-supernatural factor. Let's, Let's take a look at myocarditis. So when it comes to myocarditis, as I said earlier, it's not hereditary. It does not depend on genetic makeup. It's extremely rare, but can affect anyone in almost any age group. Myocarditis is inflammation of the heart that can cause sudden heart failure. And this disease has sadly caused the deaths of many people all over the world, including that of the healthiest of athletes. Right. So Christopher Case was only 35 years old at the time of his death, and he was healthy. He had a knack for exercising and taking vitamins, and he wasn't known to smoke or drink or partake in any activities that could possibly negatively affect his health. Now, it was found that Christopher, you know, I've said this like three times, he was taking vitamin supplements during the time of his death. And oddly enough, it has been discovered that there may or may not be a small connection between certain vitamin supplements and myocarditis. Right. So that could be a possibility. You know, what if he really did have this health problem and maybe these vitamins didn't really help? The other thing that they probably didn't take into account, if he was that much of a gym rat, I mean, I don't know. I give him a healthy, you know, dose of reasonable doubt that he wouldn't be on steroids. But there's also been a connection between steroids and myocarditis, if I'm not mistaken. Or if not myocarditis, some sort of other heart condition, maybe? Possibly. So I'm not sure. That's just, you know, that is a perspective to take in. But I also found in my research that people who die suddenly from myocarditis always experience flu-like symptoms for one to three weeks before their death. It's like... It's kind of an onset of like unrelated symptoms and then boom, it's a buildup. And that didn't happen to Christopher. He did not have any flu-like symptoms or any physical sickness of any kind. So He just went from being healthy to being fucking terrified and then dead. Right. So this, I don't know, that kind of makes the sudden heart failure argument kind of eh. And I, let me say too, obviously... I'm not a cardiologist. Ray is not a cardiologist. If you're listening to this, we obviously are not cardiologists and I'm not a doctor. But if you're listening to this podcast and you happen to be a physician or it would it would be really awesome if we had a cardiologist that listened to this episode. But if you have any knowledge in this realm or maybe some further explanation that you can give to this specific part, like could myocarditis have actually been the cause of his death? And if you have any information you would like to send us, I. I, I would love to hear it. I also I would wonder, love to hear the feedback. I also wonder if myocarditis causes any type of hallucinations. 
that's that's another theory too is that chris was maybe hallucinating or you know there's a mental mental health aspect to it that's that's definitely one of the because theories. your brain unfortunately will make connections so if this lady's like i'm a witch and i curse you and then he starts hardcore hallucinating but those hallucinations just happen to be something that he believes that he's cursed with now I mean, there's you could really go down some some roads with this right, one. You really right. could. And then aside from that, another theory is that this whole fucking story is made up entirely that Christopher didn't even exist. And I think I'm personally going to say right now that I think that's bullshit because I posted this picture on our social medias. But I found a picture of his headstone. And I, I had to really think about the headstone picture because, like, I was like, is this really, like, the Christopher case that I'm talking about? But this Christopher case that I found a tombstone for in West Virginia where he was from, the date of death was April 18th, 1991. He was 35 years old. Wow. That has to be him. That has to be him. Like, if, if it's not him, then I'm going to be fucking shot. But, like, the dates match up, the age matches up, the time matches up, the name, like, everything matches up. Right. It has to be him. Well, so, you know, I was just sitting here thinking about something that came to me. If your heart can literally be damaged by a broken heart, which it is scientifically true. I believe that it can. It is scientifically I be I believe true. that it can. People can grieve themselves there, to death. There are strings in your heart that apparently, um, with very traumatic situations, they can break. And I would like to know if that is any part of myocarditis. Or if anything, you Did know... Did I you, say that right? Yeah, you said okay. it right. But... Even building on that, you know, there's another thing I said earlier when we were getting into the theories. Um, a lot of people think that Christopher maybe sc literally scared himself to death. And you take the accounts of his friends that he called in the days leading up to when he was, you know, found. He was very afraid. Sammy Soder said that on the call on April 16th when he had encountered being levitated off his mattress by his throat that she said that was like the most scared she had ever heard him be. Could fear cause heart failure? Could the amount of fear yeah. cause myocarditis maybe? Again, if there's a cardiologist listening, please send us a message and tell us. But that's another aspect, too. Could he have literally scared himself to death? I mean, I've I've heard growing up that there have been people like, say it's like your biggest, greatest fear. And all of a sudden you find yourself... Like, say you have a fear of drowning, and all of a sudden you find yourself about to drown. You can actually scare yourself to death before you even get to that point. Right. But I mean, that's a thing. That's what I've heard. That's a thing. Ultimately, I won't say for sure, but we're, we're just throwing out all the theories right now going through it. Because, I mean, it's interesting. Um, Something else very interesting that I will add to all of this um, about this case is that Christopher's friends 100% believe that he was, in fact tortured to death by supernatural forces. All of them believe it. They know how he had no history of ever having any sort of mental illness. And then they also recount the events that took place during the week before he died. It was so out of character for Christopher. Right. All of it was. So his friends, people that personally knew him are like, yeah, he literally was tortured to death by spirits. So it's <sighs> like, that is fucking chilling. You know, I mean, ultimately at the end of it, I don't know. This one threw me for a fucking loop, and it's really hard to be grounded entirely in one theory with this one because all yeah. of it makes sense to me. But also, 
And, you know, if you're a skeptic listening, we're never going to bash you for what you believe, you know, whatever. We all can think differently. Right. I believe something more happened here. I, I mean, too. I truly believe that he was afflicted by something. Yeah. I truly believe that he was whatever he was experiencing was very real to him. And I, I believe it caused his death. I believe there was a supernatural aspect to this. I truly do. And I may be, you know, narrow minded for thinking that. But that's just I can't shake that. This story creeps me the fuck out. And I mean, if he if he did die of sudden heart failure, then like what a morbid, morbid fucking coincidence. Right. Like, my God, I just I don't know what to think of it. And then the last thing that I can really say, too, is sleep paralysis, because in that call to Sammy Soder, when he was talking about, you know, he had been lifted off of his mattress by his fucking throat and his fingers were being cut. Um, he said that he couldn't move. I don't know if I included that earlier, but he was telling Sammy that he was basically paralyzed with fear throughout the attack. So, and as someone who struggles with sleep paralysis, I've experienced it very often throughout my entire life. Scary right. shit. It's scary. So, like, it kind of sounds like it could have been a sleep paralysis episode maybe in, in that instance. I mean, right. we just, we can sit here and go back and forth and speculate all day long. I don't know. You know, could it be a possibility that maybe Christopher actually did literally scare himself to death? Could the fear he was experiencing somehow cause his heart to stop? Or was he, you know, as you said, maybe experiencing hallucinations for the hundredth time? I'm not a cardiologist or a doctor. <laughs> I don't have the answers to any of these questions. This story is a perplexing and chilling fucking mystery that may never be solved. Right. But regardless of what reason we put behind it, Christopher Case lost his life in a very tragic way. Christopher had many friends and family members that loved him deeply, and he had a bright future waiting for him. Again, he was just 35 years old when he passed, and I'm sure those who knew him are still very much grieving his loss today. So to end this episode, I would like to say that my deepest condolences go to each and every person that has been affected by this, and I hope wholeheartedly that Christopher is resting peacefully. And that will conclude my story of Christopher Case, the man that was tormented to death by a witch's curse. That's insane. It's Crazy really Crazy shit. Like, I, I, I told you, today was going to be a little a little bit different. There's some true crime, but, like, there's some heavy spook with this one. Um, I learned about it. I read an article. I could not stop. <laughs> like, it consumed me so hard. I just, I dropped everything I was doing, and I was like, I'll have to put... Uh, my other cases on the back burner just a little bit longer. I have to cover this. Like, I have to do it. I mean, like, with my own encounters that I've had and then, the you know, just the knowledge that life is stranger than fiction. Anything is. is possible. Anything is possible. It very much is. And I can't wait to cover some of those possible things <laughs> on my miniseries. More to come. More yeah, to come. Shameless plug for things that keep me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. We have some we have some cool things in store for you guys with the past few weeks, I mean, and we always do this and we joke about it all the time, but like, good God, we, we have week spans where we cover some awful shit. Yeah. So I do like to throw in not only for us to get a mental health break, but for all of you, it's good to have a week or two of something not so fucking horrific. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's really good to have a little bit of mental health uh, breaks in between. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
this one fucking took me for a loop. I would love to hear what all of you think. To those of you listening, please comment, send us a message. I would just love to bounce around some theories. This case absolutely just blew my fucking mind. So Yeah, and I want to go ahead and say I'm sorry because next week is going to be a little bit rough. But, <laughs> but next week is a survivor story. Oh, oh. Yes, so there oh. is a survivor of this one. I um, do like survivors. I love survivor stories. <laughs> you know, I I have some other things that I am working on in the background because there are a few cases that I want to cover that's going to take more time than a week to put together. Right, exactly. And um we may have some more uh Really big hitters coming for you guys in the next month or two, for sure. For sure, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But um, with that being said, there are some cases that I'm working on, but this one, I was relaxing yesterday, crocheting, you know, listening to YouTube, and this case just took me. Kind of like how this one did me. You just, it, you learn about it and then you're just consumed with it. It snatched me up by my wig and said, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> not the wig. Not, not the, wig. the wig. Well, okay, you guys, I think it's safe to say we can wrap up things for today. This case was super fucking chilling, super fun to cover, but just chilling, 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 chilling. Uh, if you would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird, <laughs> well, great news, you can totally do that. You can find us on Facebook at Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram at Gore Report Podcast. And Twitter at Gore Report. Squidward! He's coming back more and more every oh week. Oh, Lord, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Don't forget our email, guys. Gore Report Pod at gmail.com. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can totally send us an email. I am just not with the fact that this bitch had to curse him because she couldn't handle being told no. No means no, people. If it's coercion, (laughs) then it wasn't meant to be. I mean, it's like I said earlier. Personally, it's a little incel and that was a wee bit of an extreme reaction, bitch. I don't know what to tell you. That's fucking crazy. I'm bipolar, and I know that's crazy. (laughs) And until next time, bye. bye.